I think this is the, the third week I've been talking about this this topic, and it and it's it's cumulative, um, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to introduce us to some of the things that I believe that God's shown us, uh, or for during lockdown, but as a way of uh, refocusing ourselves as the body of Christ as we move forward, and. Uh, I've kind of explained that a little bit in the in the two previous sessions, but what I felt is that, you know, many of us have felt well, we we don't go want to go back to doing what we were doing, but it's easy to say we don't want to go back to doing what we were doing, but when you say well, what do we do instead, then we don't really have any great ideas, and so one of the the, the, the real challenges for us was, well, what do we do? And, and the, you know, lots of people in the body of Christ are talking about that, thinking about that. And um, the reality is that what, we, what we're talking about is different models or different ideas of the way to do church. And I, and I was talking to God at length about this because we've had 14 months to talk to God about these things. And I really felt him to say that it, it, it's nothing to do with the model. It's nothing to do with how you do church. What people really are looking for, what the, the generation who don't know me yet are looking for, are, is authenticity. A real encounter with the living God. And people who know their God and have real encounters with the living God. A, a, a more authentic, simple, real uh, expression of our faith and so when we talk about things like great resets and and so on I think that the reset he's looking for is not in a model of church or a way of doing church or what time church is or how many people are in church and whether you're a big church little church scattered church all those sort of things that that we we debating more I believe that what he's saying is this great reset is the reset of people's hearts a reset of people's hearts away from pride and towards humility. Away from the big stage to servanthood. Away from uh, that, that me first to others first. A reset of individuals in the likeness of Christ. And it's that I've been talking about. Now, if we're going to be those individuals, how do you do that? Do you just like turn up one morning and decide, I'm different. I'm going to just do things differently. We can do that. But the truth is, if we just try and change what we're doing, it won't last. And the reason for that is we haven't changed. We haven't changed. And, and we live in a world which is full of all sorts of unhealthy pressures. And, you know, I think many of us would say that, you know, we, we think the world around us is unhealthy. It's not, it's not in balance, it's out of kilter. People feel tired, they feel worn out, they feel stressed, they feel like they're getting pushed left, right and centre, moved around. And we, and we feel all these pressures because every, everything is out of balance. But that's not how God intends his people to live. He, tends us to li he intends us to live in a healthy way. And in a previous series and in this series, I've been talking about how we can be healthy in here so that we can be whole out there. Healthy inside when around us outside is unhealthy. And that's possible. That, that's a reality of the Christian life that we're aiming for, that we're looking for. And so uh, in, in this series that I've been doing, which is basically to set us up for going forward, I don't know what comes after this, it's kind of, kind of a continuing thing called soul life. I've started to uh, unpack that idea of balance. 
So I'm just going to give you a refresher of where we were last week. And then I'm going to go on and, and talk a bit about how you start to get back in balance, what, what is needed there to get back in balance. And next week, I'll finish it all off by looking at some of the things we do to get in balance. You go, well, what are they? Well, by the end of this, it'll start to be a bit more obvious what sort of things they are for us to live balanced. If we are not balanced, we will not be happy. We'll be unhealthy, we'll be tired, we'll be worn out, we'll be stressed, we'll be anxious, and we will be struggling under pressure. But if we can get into the balance that God intended for us, then we can enter a level of fruitfulness, authenticity, reality, and a life of encountering God that this world needs and others are yearning for, which I believe is the great reset. And so, just to look at this idea of balance, where we were last week, we talked about the two aspects or the two, uh, the two Adams that this, this rabbi had come up with. And he talked about the two things that God put in Adam at the start. There's, there's a, the, what I call the soul drivers and then there's the soul givers. And the aim isn't one or the other. The aim is both in balance. And that's something I think we've not been really sharp on or really clear on in the body of Christ. And uh, I explained a little bit about that last week. I'm going to explain a little bit about it today. So, you know, everybody is catch up. But let's look at those, those ideas of, of soul drivers. Now, when I, I talk about that word, the minute you say drive or driven, we get a kind of Christian reaction, which is, that's bad. It's bad to have this drive. It's bad to be driven. And, and it's got this connotation, hasn't it, this word driven, that it's bad. But actually, God made us with certain drivers in us. And, he, you know, he made us. And, and we found out, didn't we, last week in Genesis, that, that God said, I'm going to make man in my image and in my likeness. And in, in doing that, there's, that, he put something in us that drives us to create, to work, to subdue, to have dominion, to be fruitful, to multiply, to make, create things around us, to change the world around us. And that God looked at that and he said, not like we've been doing, that's bad. He said, that is very good. And that's kind of a shock to a lot of us because we've got this idea that it's wrong to have that drive, to have that ambition, to, to have that desire to create things, to build things, to, to be successful, to get on, to change things around us, to impact other lives. And we, and we think, well, that can't be right. It doesn't feel right. But it is, and God called that good. In fact, he called that very good. And what's more, he said, that's in my likeness. That's like I am. And that, that's amazing, isn't it? That, that, there's that element. And then... You know, what that puts in us is a desire to understand the world around us. A desire to understand how nature works. A desire to find cures for sickness uh, and cures for disease. A, a desire to create a thriving business. A desire to grow as individuals. A desire to make a difference in other people's lives. A desire to help other people. And, and God looks at that and he says, that's very good. So I want, you to, I want us to be really clear on that because I think 
you know, over many, many years now, I've heard this, well, that drivenness is wrong. What you really need is you just need to rest and, and not do anything. And, and you know, we, we, we had somebody years ago and they came to us and they said, I'm, 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 not, I'm not coming to church anymore. And I said to them, well, why are you not coming to church anymore? Because we don't want to come somewhere that asks us to do something. And, and, that's, and, and they said, because as Christians, we're just meant to rest. Church should be a place that we just come and rest. So we just want to come and we just want to sit in a chair. And, and you guys are asking us to participate. And we don't, we, we don't think that's right. That is absolutely right. We are a body. We're a family. We're on a mission together to reach people, to save lives, to heal bodies, to deliver, the, deliver people from oppression and to set people free. And to do that, it needs every one of us. This mentality that we've had in the body of Christ is that the, the idea that we, we've had is, you know, let's get a load of people together. Let's get them to give some money so we can have some professionals up the front. And those professionals will do everything. And if they're really good professionals, it'll grow. And then we'll have more money and we can hire more professionals and we can do more things. And that's kind of the, the mentality we've had in the church. Well, that's how you grow your church. The problem with all of that is that leaves no room for God or no room for the Holy Spirit anymore. Where's the power? Where's the presence of God? Where's that authenticity and that encounter that this generation needs? How, how do you ever become the, the fullness of who you're meant to be if all you do is sit there? It, it just doesn't work. And so we, somehow we need to change our thinking on that. And hopefully... The, 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 what I'm explaining will help. I mean, you, a lot of you guys already have that change of thinking, but, you know, this goes further than, than, than those who are sat here. This goes to hundreds of people every week, so hopefully that it has an impact. Hopefully my little driver that wants to change things around me to impact lives, hopefully it's successful this morning. But then we, we have this other side, which is the soul givers that second part of Adam and and this second part of Adam works like this it, it works um, that God also put in Adam and also put in us a desire to connect with others it's not good to be alone that's why he gave us the church the church is the big blessing of of the post cross that we don't have to do things alone as individuals we can help each other and, and, and he also put in that a real, right at the bottom of our very being, a desire to connect with God in a real and authentic way. And, like, and just like Adam used to walk with God in the cool of the, cool of the evening, in the garden and they'd chat and so on. That's, that's in every one of us, in every born again believer, there's that desire. So we have these two things. We have the soul drivers and the soul givers. And, you know, that the... That is a dual aspect of who we are. Now, here's the point. They are not opposed. But they are meant to have a balance. They're not opposed, but they are meant to have a balance. Because when we get out of balance, what we see is, and, and we see it all the time in our world, don't we? And we see it 
unity in the body of Christ. That's why we get that equally unhelpful reaction to, well, I'm not doing anything. We see people just, you know, just absolutely bombed out under pressure. And that sole driver side is taken over. And, and that's, that's a result of the fall. That's a result of the fall, the world we live in. And, and I showed you that from Genesis last week, how that came and entered into our, our society, our culture, and into our nature. And, and we got out of balance. And so what, what that produces, it produces one thing. It produces pressure. And that's what we feel, isn't it? That's what we feel. That, that's the sort of thing that gets us at 8 o'clock on a Friday evening we just say, I've had enough. And it gets us on a Sunday morning, we get out of bed and say, I'm tired, I don't want to go to church. I'll just sit and watch it. And, and, it, and it gets us on a Wednesday afternoon and, and primarily it gets us on the way to work on a Monday morning. Or, or when we're taking the kids to school or whatever else we're doing. And, and we feel that pressure. We feel that, that I'm never enough. I've never got enough time. I've no, not got the energy. And what we're feeling there is that pressure of a fallen world. And what we're feeling there in our generation is that pressure of a fallen world speeded up. Because of the internet, because of social media, because of email, because of text, because of phones, everything has just got so speeded up that that pressure is greater now than it was on previous generations. Because alongside that has gone with the, fragment, gone the fragmentation of community, the fragmentation of church life, and the fragmentation on a very wide scale of families. And so we, we feel that pressure, and that produces in us all sorts of things that make us feel, I'm just not managing, I'm not coping with, with life, I'm not coping with these things. So hopefully, hopefully that, that kind of gives you an idea. Are, are you still with me? Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, so what does it produce? It produces kind of unhealthy behaviours. It produces competition. You know, we... We, we have churches competing against each other for that limited pool of people who go to church. And, and, and we, we, we play to that and we try and be more attractive than something else or offer something different. You know, you, you, you've got uh, competition in, in business, in life. You've got competition on Facebook to have the happiest appearance of the happiest possible life with the trendiest fashion wearing uh, all the time, showing people what you're eating for dinner. And, and I have to say, I'm thinking like, you want to look great, but every day you put in on there what you're eating for dinner. And I'm thinking those two don't necessarily go together. And I've had a little bit of a problem with that myself since the, the previous lockdown. And, and so you, you've got this. And, and Jesus said, didn't he? Competition makes you the least. And we really need to understand that in the body of Christ in our generation because we've absorbed too much of the world. Competition makes you the least. It's servanthood, preferring others to yourself, that makes you the greatest. And that is just so powerful. But we need to remember it's part of that reset that God's trying to do in us. And I believe the, uh, you know, another part of that reset is we've, we've put people up on pinnacles. We've put them up on, on, on like, massive followings uh you know sometimes we charge more for tickets to christian conferences than paul mccartney or coldplay can get for one of their concerts there's something gone wrong there there's something really wrong there's something really wrong when christian ministers say yeah i'll come and minister at your church but i want to go in a five-star hotel i want to be picked up at the airport in a bmw i want to fly first class and if you don't do that i'm not coming 
There's something really wrong in the body of Christ when we think like that. And what the problem is, he's not the minister. It's us who've created it, who've paid for it. We, we have fed that. We've made our superstars. We've made these people who can sell out conference tickets. It's not that, that they are necessarily bad. We, haven't, we are bad in that we've created that culture in the body of Christ and not questioned it. You know, it, it gets at certain points, or did a few years ago in summer, that it's really difficult. I mean, we, we have not had this problem, but you do feel it, that it's really difficult for some churches to do church at all in the summer because people are away at Christian conferences all summer paying to go to these Christian conferences. And whilst they're not in themselves bad, what I'm saying is we've created something that, that fosters something in the body of Christ. And that thing is pride. And if God is to reset us, he's going to reset us as humble because he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So if we want to walk in the power that the New Testament apostles walked, if we want to walk in the power that Jesus walked in, if we want to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, we've got to relearn in the body of Christ humility. In a culture in the body of Christ, we have created that fosters pride and stardom. And it's a challenge. You see... If we really want to do church differently, we've got to be a different sort of people who are putting our value system differently. Nobody's going to change this if we don't change. Anyway, that's, that's kind of my little rant for this one. But the point I'm trying to make, just so, you just so you know, I'm trying to make a point, is this, that soul health is soul balance. Either one out of kilter doesn't work. Let me just show you that, the verse we started with, 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. There's a balance there between our soul prospering, soul prosperity, soul health, and our life prospering. Prospering in all things and being in health even as equal to, in balance with how your soul prospers. If our soul is out of balance, we won't be prospering in life. We'll be following unhealthy lifestyles. We'll be constantly feeling that pressure. We'll feel that we're never enough, not enough. We haven't got what it takes. And we'll feel that, we, you know, that it's just not right and we don't know what to do about it. But what to do about it is to get our soul in balance. And so that's what we want. We want that, that balance to be restored and, uh, on, the, on that diagram. And what does that mean? It means that we've got to put new things into our life. And I started this with the, the, uh, in the first way. I was talking about some, uh, the town we came from. And there used to be this uh, convent called Better Holt, just on the edge of the town. And you would often see the nuns walking around in the town. And uh, they wore these things, and you know, you all know what nuns look like, and they called them habits. And, and, and habits are what you wear if you're a nun, but habits are also what you wear in life. What you've uh, built into your habits, the way you do life, actually, that's the way you live life. That's the way that you're either healthy or unhealthy. It comes from these habits, it comes from rhythms. Having rhythms. One of the things that 
you know, we, we, we can laugh at it or have views on it or whatever. But one of the things that, that monks and nuns and all the rest of religious communities learned and, and is really powerful is they have a rhythm to their day every day. And it's powerful. And if we get it right, it's a rhythm of grace. And grace gives us life. Grace lifts the pressure. Grace brings us to the fore. Grace puts our life in balance with that rhythm that we live in. So what do we do? Well, let's say, let's assume, you know, I'm just going back to what I said before. So is that, is that, is it bad that we've ended up in this position where, where we, we, we've got all this driven side and, and not, not a lot on the other side? Having the driven side, I'll just repeat it again, is not bad. The issue is it's not in balance. And so we need to restore that balance. And, you know, to, to move back into balance, we, what we're going to have to do is give more weight on the soulful side. More weight on the soul-giving side. That's how we move back into balance. We don't just stop doing things. That won't address anything. Basically, both sides will flop then, and you'll have like a broken, broken seesaw in the middle. It doesn't do anything to just stop. What we've got to do is find a way of those habits, those rhythms, moving us back into balance. I have to say, guys, and, and if, you, if you're looking for this, what doesn't work is like lining everybody up this morning, me laying, sorry, lay, laying elbows on them from a distance and suddenly your life changes. This doesn't work like this. You, the, the reason we're in this state as individuals and the reason that we all have an element of out of balanceness is because we haven't got the right habits in our life. We haven't got the right rhythms. And it's those that have to change. And you can't, you can't change them just by laying on their hands or elbow, you know, putting your elbow on somebody's shoulder or something, whatever we're allowed to do these days. And, and me whispering behind you from a mask, be blessed, be well, or whatever. It doesn't work like that. There's, there's a thing called the renewing of the mind. And the reason it's called the renewing of the mind is it's not instant. You know, there, there aren't... There isn't a quick fix for the problem that we've got ourselves into over generations, but there is a fix that we need to start understanding and start moving to. That simpler, more authentic spirituality that many of us, I think, grew up with in, this, in the kind of the 70s and early 80s. And, and it's kind of gone a bit awry since then. You know, it used to be that you, you could have a, a, an incredible encounter with God with two or three people in a room, one guitar, picking songs out of a book of songs that were actually pretty naff. And, and yet you still encountered God, even though you didn't know what you were doing. Nobody knew what songs you were doing. You kind of tossed around ideas for what songs. And all of a sudden, God started moving. He started healing people. And the gifts of the Spirit came to fore. And we could do things. Why? Because Not because there was two or three people but because it was a more authentic, simple form of spirituality. And that's, that's what we're looking for. So here's some wrong answers to what to do. The first wrong answer is this, do more. And, and you know that answer, don't you? The, the do more is, if only I, if only I could do this, or if only I had more training, 
then I'd be able to do it. And if only I had more of more of more advanced training, then I'd be ready to do it. If only uh, my kids had grown up, left home, and there was just, just the two of us, then I'll have time to do things. Then I'll have time for God. Then I'll have time to, to be who I am. Then I'll have time for me. Or if only I can get to the top of my career and get enough money in my bank account to have paid off my mortgage by the time I'm 50, enough for retirement from t- time of 60, and from 60 onwards till I fall over due to exhaustion because I've been running that hard, I've got a few years left because I've been pushed and pushed and pressured and pressured, and then I have a heart attack and it's all gone. And, and we have this mentality that that is a valid way to live our life. It's, it's the if only. So the answer is never do more. No is the answer do nothing. Because that's, that's the reaction people have. I'll do nothing. I just need to rest. I'm not, I'm not coming to church if it involves me more than just sitting here. Because I, I, I'm just too tired. And that's, that's not right. That's not going to make you right. I'm not saying that to get you to do things. That's not the point. The point that why I'm saying that is it's not going to help you. It's not going to help make you well. It's not going to help make you healthy. It's not going to change that pressure you're feeling. The only thing that it'll produce is somewhere after about six or seven weeks, you'll feel guilty, you're not doing anything, but you'll be convinced you shouldn't be. Why? Because the enemy will just start messing around as well. So the answer is not do more and it's not do nothing. So how do we move towards the right answer, which is to be healthy inside, to be healthy outside? And again, this comes back to that thing that I believe God said, that the aim is not to build bigger, better churches. The aim for the body of Christ should be to build bigger, better people. And to be healthy inside, to be that bigger, better person, you need to embrace your whole self. The whole of who you are, not just trying to put more on one side or the other. Embrace all of you. And and the way we embrace who we are and what we've been made to be is to get into this rhythm called the rhythm of grace, the habits of grace. What What does that mean? Well, by that, what I mean is that we embrace the soul givers so that even as our soul prospers, our life will come into healthy balance. So there has to be a repositioning of our life where we're embracing the soul givers. And by prosperity, what I mean by that is I don't, and you see, again, we, we kind of got obsessed with certain things in, in the body of Christ. I don't mean prosperity in terms of just money. I am not, just to be really clear, I am not telling people this morning that if you do, if you embrace a bit more of God, he's going to make you rich. What I am saying is that even as your soul prospers, you will become all that God has put in you. You will be healthy. And as a result, it will affect your finances. It will affect your relationships. It will affect the way you approach your career. It will affect your health and your body and your stress levels and your anxiety. And you'll prosper. 
in all those areas. So when I talk about prosperity, it's body, soul, spirit, finances, relationships, the whole shooting match. But according to God, it only comes if your soul's healthy. So we need to get our soul healthy. And we need to do something about this pressure that's got us out of balance, to, to lift that pressure. So where do we move to? Well, here's the point I'm making. The antidote to pressure is soul life. That means connecting to God and connecting to others. There is no other antidote. The antidote to what you're feeling and what we're all going through and what we all experience because we're out of balance, that pressure that is in our life, the antidote is connecting to God and connecting to others. That's how you were made. Let me show you this. Genesis 3. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you will eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate, and you know the rest of the story. Now just look at that. What was it that got us out of balance? What got us out of balance was pursuing the things that neglected the connection with God and with others. So what goes out of balance? Let's have a look. Good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and make one wise. In 1 John, he puts that differently. I don't know if you've ever made this connection, but it was like one of those whoopee moments when I, met, when I saw it. In 1 John, he puts it like this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, good for food, the lust of the eyes, pleasant to the eyes, and the pride of life, to make one wise, is not of the Father. It's of the world. So we got our balance right at the start by thinking the answer was things of the flesh, things that we could see, and things that made us wise and gave us pride. And we went off and we pursued and we pursued and we pursued and pursued. And John says, that's not of the Father. It doesn't connect you to God. It connects you to the world. And the world is where the pressure is because it's unhealthy that you're not coping with. So the, way, the answer lies in none of those three. The answer lies in connection with God and connection with the others. The answer lies in soul life. Let's have a look. Uh, Genesis 3 continuing. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man's become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put his hand out and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Now, a lot of people read that as kind of a punishment. But when you read it carefully, what God's really saying is, I now need to do something because they, they, my, they, these Adam and Eve have got themselves in trouble. And if they eat of the tree of life in that trouble, they are doomed to stay there forever. So I need to get them out of there where they can't have Im immortality, out of there and not able to get, not in a place where they are totally locked into this while I wake up, work out my plan of how to redeem them 
from this situation. And, and then he says, and this is my plan to deem the, redeem them from the situation. This is the first preaching of the gospel that takes place immediately after the fall of man. Theologians call it the Proto-Evangel. So if you've done Bible school, Faith Life Bible school, you'll know it's called the Proto-Evangel. And here's it. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Satan will strike at Jesus' heel, but Jesus will crush the enemy. And he will redeem us. So Jesus came to make soul life possible, to tear down the barrier that had been between us and God so that we could reconnect in the presence of God directly instead of through others. He came to give us back the soul connection. That is the only thing that will get us back into balance, connecting with God and connecting with others. Why? Because there's life in the presence of God. If we are to get back into balance, we need to be people who value the presence of God, not the organization of church. We need to be people who value, encounter, and a radical uh, life lived out in faith with God, moving in the power of God, and not settling for something that we artificially create by technology or professionals. That's what we need. Why? Because it will make us healthy again. So what, what happens? If this antidote is connecting to God and to others, let me, let me just, I, I've got a lot more to say on this, so I'll just, I'll just give you a little taste and then I'll come back to this next week. So we need to put in new rhythms, new habits that move us from one way of being to another way of being. And, and I'll talk about these next week. So let me, let me just put it like this, because what you'll see is this is the only way that things come back into balance. This is the only thing that lifts that pressure. This is the only thing that, by which we can be healthy in an unhealthy world. Now, here's the point. It's going to need God to change you, and you're going to have to let him do it. You understand that? We, we, we've all got to change now. We've all been sat in our houses, all with a level playing field for 14 months now, and we've all coped with it in different ways and, and had different issues and all the rest of it. But if something is going to change, that thing where we don't want to go back to who we were and how we were doing things, it's us that has to change. Something's got to change in our hearts. The answer is not a fix on the outside the answer is a change in our souls on the inside, to have healthy souls. And most of us have unhealthy souls because we believed and followed things and lived our, our spirituality in a way that it substituted all, these, all sorts of things for this connection with God and connection with others. So what, what would they involve? Well, they would involve moving from, let's look at those things that are unhealthy in the in drives, moving from competition 
to identity. We don't have to compete. We have to be us. Moving from competition to identity. Moving from breadth to depth. We try and succeed and get hold, hold everything together on so many fronts that we have made our lives impossible to live well in our own opinion. Because we're trying to cover too many things and not doing anything well. We've lived a life of breadth. Why? Because all the time we are seeing stuff and hearing stuff that if you have that, if you do that, if you look like this, if you wear this, if you smell like this, you'll, you'll be happy. And you won't. You'll just have given somebody else your money that you could have spent on something that would have made you happy. Like getting healthy inside. So we move from breadth to depth. We move from pursuing and rushing and, and, you know, I've got to get on in life and when I'm 60, I'll have enough in my fund and, and all that sort of stuff to do something. Guys, by the time some of you are 60, Jesus will have come again. There's no, no point worrying about that. Are you your, this is a basic thing, are you your provider or is Jesus your provider? Just get it clear in our heads that Jesus is our provider. I'm not saying don't save. Saving's a really good thing. But when it becomes everything, when it becomes your total goal in life and it excludes other things, it becomes an unhealthy thing. Here's the point of a lot of these bad things, you know, these things that we, we call bad or need to change. They're not bad. They're just too much of them because they've not been balanced. So we move from pursuit to presence. We move from what? Drivenness to the rhythm of grace. Grace is the only thing that gets things in balance. Why? Because it says that you are valuable, not based on what you do, but because of what Christ gave for you. It changes where we get our value from. You know, it, it, it changes that whole dynamic of thinking, I've got to be perfect and succeed at a zillion, zillion things before I'm worth anything. And Jesus says, you're worth everything in the world because I gave my life for you. That's your value. Now, here's, here's the big one that I want to unpack next week. We move from seeking approval to accepting our acceptance. Move from seeking approval to accepting our acceptance. You see, this is what God calls you. He calls you the beloved. Jesus paid for your acceptance. Jesus put his spirit in you so that you were born again. And that spirit is perfect and acceptable and full. There is no barrier between you and God. You can walk boldly before the throne of grace to find the help you need in times of trouble, no matter what you've done or where you've been or how far you think you've fallen. We move from 
seeking approval to accepting our acceptance. The word uh, acceptance or beloved, if you remember, um, it's the same word as gets translated when the angel comes and visits Mary and she says she's got, he's going to give birth to the Christ. And it's the word blessed and highly favoured. Jesus bestowed on you the identity of blessed and highly favoured. You might not feel it. You might not think you're worth it. You might not think you've done enough to get it. But nevertheless, he bestowed on you and gave you a gift, the status of blessed and highly favoured. So we move from seeking approval to accepting acceptance. And if we do that, what do we do? We move all those. We, our life comes back into balance. Our soul life becomes healthy. Why? Because our life is in balance. The only way we get in balance is to put in the habits and the rhythms that connect us to God and connect us to others. Here's the thing. When we connect to God, we will change. The only thing that can change you on the inside or the only person that can change you in the inside is God. And he's already put his spirit in you to start and do that work. To the degree we connect with God, to the degree we, we, we come into his presence and we encounter his reality, we will inevitably be changed. We will inevitably become healthy. We will become alive and we will walk free from that pressure. Amen, faith life. So I just want to I just want to pray for people this morning. If you if you don't know Jesus, if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus at all, or, or you've kind of drifted away and you've just got buried under all that pressure and your priorities have got all out of kilter and your life's out of balance, we're gonna pray for you now. Um, if you're here this morning, just put up your hands, join your faith to the, those who are praying online, and just follow me. Follow with the words I say, Father. I thank you that you sent your son to die for me, to pay for my sins, and to open up the way to your presence and bestow on me great value, the gift of being blessed and highly favoured. So I, choose now so I choose now not to keep on walking like the world, driven by the flesh, eyes, eyes and, and, pride. and pride, but I choose to follow you. I give you my life and I ask you to heal me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So if you said that prayer this morning, uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. 
either comment on Facebook or email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk and, and we'd love to be able to celebrate with you, to pray with you and to get some resource to you that will uh, really bless and help you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm really looking forward to next week. This uh, last few weeks has been just so good and I think it's um, really good to be reminded of these things as well if, if you've uh, known them before but if you haven't heard them before it's so important because we want to live healthy uh, full lives connected to God and connected to each other and we want our soul healthy and to prosper our mind our will our emotions which is our soul um, so for these times this is a really good series so I'm going to listen to that again um, as I always do <laughs> um, so, that's yeah, the end of our service, well, I think, actually, this morning. Go, I, 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 I'm not sure if this person's here, but I think they're online. But if you're here, then I'll pray for you anyway. But somebody has got a problem, and, it, and it's specific. It's in, in the middle of your right calf, and it, and it feels tight. It feels painful. I don't know whether it's a pull or something you've had for quite a while. But I just want to pray for you now. Father, I thank you for drawing this to our attention. And right now... In the name of Jesus, calf be healed. Damage be repaired. Pain, tightness go in Jesus' name. We take it, we receive it by faith as our inheritance. That health that you paid for, Jesus, by your stripes. Amen. 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 Oh, you were just <laughs> agreeing with <laughs> Yeah, Stuart agrees. <laughs> awesome. Good. Um, are yeah. we still on Facebook? No, no, no we, we, we can say goodbye. Lovely to be with you. Facebook, Faith Life family and everybody else. Uh, have a blessed week. See you next week.